Hello and welcome to the Velodrome Podcast. I'm Steve, some of you may know me as the Velo21 guy, but today I'm your host on the Velodrome Podcast. So once again, I thank you for listening, whether it's the first episode that you've ever listened to, welcome, or you've managed to listen to all 15 episodes so far, I don't take your download for granted, I really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to have a little listen to what we've got to say. So once again, we're speaking to another recreational cyclist about their cycling and fitness journey. This one's a lot of fun today. Today, we are talking to... It's Angela Collins, miles up north. Hello and welcome to the Velodrome podcast. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate your time today, taking the time to talk to me. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. So, um, first of all, your Insta name is miles up north so where are you in the north uh so i'm i live in york mm-hmm. um but originally from durham so i kind of split my time between york and durham okay. so that's kind of the generic north that i'm in slightly um yeah quite northern <laughs> yeah so you've met a, a, i've seen on your instagram recently you've met a few other instagram cyclists as well haven't you Oh yeah, it's just wonderful. So, um, so this is why I was saying really north because I consider Durham much more northern than Leeds. <laughs> and anyone who considers himself northern and they're from Manchester, and then we go down the kind of the ranking of northern. Um, so yeah, so at the um, the Paperboy event uh, yes. last month, it was lovely um, seeing a few people. Um, just kind of those actually physically connecting faces with humans that are actually real and alive it was gorgeous oh, yeah i loved it yeah it was it looked a fantastic day as well like weather wise and everything there was a lot of people there it looked a real good buzz to to it it looked it, a fantastic event yeah it really was i mean i didn't do the ride so that, i mean we'll get into this about how i'm not a proper cyclist um <laughs> it was part of the um the ride that i did do and i was late there and i'd um not been well in the morning so but i picked up part of it and then kind of skimmed around this sides and then then was fully there for the social element so that was great right. for me so you you just went for the social side really that was well i took my bike and i was wearing a <laughs> helmet so i did do some riding i did like 15 miles up to where i thought i was going to pick them up then i didn't pick them up and then i met one person and i cycled down so you know i did some riding yeah lovely lovely <laughs> so you kind of touched on you're not a proper cyclist but where did your cycling start then for you how did you how did you get into it so um like proper it was only in it's funny because i had a look back and i got my bike march 2021 so literally just a couple of years and that was a second hand cyclocross bike um and i got that because a friend of mine so i just started running a couple of months before that so i'd gone from doing nothing to then kind of just burst this burst of kind of energy and enthusiasm for being physically active just happened in me and I started running in the January 2021. And a friend of mine, he kind of just watched me just fall in love with running. And he's like, what you need is a bike. Mm-hmm. And he's a cyclist. And he was like, I can see the joy you're getting out of going three or four miles away from your home. Wait until you're going 30 or 40 miles away from your home. Um, and so I found a bike secondhand. And I got a cyclocross bike because of... Um, so I've got some kind of health conditions. So I didn't want it to be too hard mm. um, on my kind of my head and my neck and stuff. So I got this cyclocross bike and I just instantly went, oh, well, this is what I should have been doing forever. Mm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was gorgeous. And I just I slowly built up 
Um, and then before I knew it, I was just really happy and content on the bike. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Like you say, it kind of hooks you in, doesn't it, sometimes? That sort of feeling of freedom is, is fantastic. And a lot of people that I've spoke to have kind of said that as well. Of, you know, and you said it yourself that you, you got on the bike and, wow, I should have been doing this for years kind of thing. And yeah. it just hooks you. And, yeah, and my, my children cycle. So um, so I had, I like, I had like a um, hybrid career that I kind of like followed along behind them on. So it wasn't that I'd never been on a bike since mm. childhood, but it was never something I would do just for my own fun. It was to help everyone else have fun. Um, and then once I fell in love with it properly, then my children were getting a little bit older and it, it, it all just fell into place really. So they loved mountain biking. Mm-hmm. And so then I'd start to understand a little bit about what I like in bikes. Um, and so then I got myself a decent hardtail bike so that I could then go mountain biking as well. And then I think the kind of road and kind of my road cycling on a cyclocross bike and then my mountain biking, then that kind of all that merged. And last year I bought myself a beautiful gravel bike. Mm. Um, And so that's where I found my freedom, so to speak, is in that gravel bike. So I can do the bumpy stuff if I need to. um, If I'm a bit bored of just going fast on the straight because that doesn't really kind of fulfill me in the same way as... um, jumping over a curb or you know not not too hardcore but but i i yeah i'm not really fulfilled just going fast on roads mm-hmm. so um so the gravel bike just answers all of that for me um Lovely. yeah perfect brilliant so it's <laughs> it says on your insta profile that you you chatting miles and mental health so do you want to talk a little bit more about that yeah so i started the insta because a friend another friend recommended she was like um because i was explaining that i kind of i think these things and i write these things down but it doesn't really go anywhere and she's like well you need an instagram account so you've got this like private it's private in the sense that i know that it's open to everyone but not anyone i know in real life so there's only like a couple of people i actually know in real life on my instagram and the rest are complete strangers Uh, and so it became this place where i could just unashamedly what I was thinking and there were zero consequences mm-hmm. so I could just be completely honest and that was liberating um, it just gave me this place to um, talk about what physical activity was doing for me so it wasn't just the cycling at the time it was the running and the riding combined um, and of course they're both seasonal so I love to run in the winter and ride in the summer so for me it works out perfect um, and so the Instagram became a place where I could there's a reason to stop and take photos because I, I'm going to do that anyway and I'm just going to have 70,000 photos on my phone that just sit there or I can pick my favourite ones and share them like a little highlights reel, which is what it is. Um, but I, in the context of that, I could talk about how that made me feel and that felt really important at the time. I was having a kind of bumpy time in my mental health and it was like um, a place to log it to remember that I might have thought that way one time and then it changed and ebbed and flowed and life kind of meandered and then I'm in this place now and um, it's a place to go back like a diary, um, I suppose, but um, one that I'm happy for everyone to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of where where that came from really. So I, I do get quite deep sometimes mm-hmm. um, and other times I'm really superficial. So there's no kind of random reason or rules that I put on myself about it. It's just a place to put stuff mm. and whatever I'm feeling like I want to share at the time. Lovely. Perfect. So do you feel 
that your writing helps you your mental health or do you feel like that the kind of instagram side of things as you just mentioned there was like that's your vent and that helps you you do it oh no i'd definitely still ride if it wasn't for instagram yeah <laughs> so i think it's definitely the riding and the physical activity more generally that makes me feel good yeah um and so yeah i wouldn't um i'd happily get rid of instagram if i had to like it's 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 just a place to play Instagram. Whereas the riding feels much more core and central to be me being well. Yeah. Um, and and that's the same for the running as well. So I think that the two things combined um, make sure that I'm just, like you kind of look after your physical health um, and your mental health together, those chemicals, if you can get them working together, it's just a buzz, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of maintains me and keeps me going. So, yeah, the, the, the cycling is definitely um, the more important thing when it comes to looking after my well-being more generally. Good stuff. So, do you have, um, how, well, how many miles have you done this year or do you have a target mileage for this year? I mean, I mean this, this is where it's, I have no idea how many okay. miles I've done this year. And I have zero idea of what even a, like, a target might look like. Okay. Like, realistically. I don't know what that would be. So this is one of those those times where I, like I don't feel like I'm a kind of inverted commas proper cyclist because the I mean don't get me wrong I love to know how far I've gone and like what my how fast I went like but that's about it people often try and school me and like I don't even know the lingo in like what's and like zones and all of that and it's a very kind of um, comical to me. That, that I would be bothered about that. Okay. Um, so long as I can get where I need to be and have a nice time, that's really all I'm bothered about. Yeah. And I know people say that, but I genuinely don't even know what the words mean. So I, I, I don't know how many miles I've done this year and I don't know how many I would aim for. I know that I want to be able to go out and easily kind of not think twice about riding a 40, 60 miler. That, that you know, as long as I can do that, then I would consider myself well enough to be a cyclist. Yeah. Um, and so, and I know kind of what kind of hill jack can handle now. And, and um, so I'm learning little bits, but only the essentials that I need to keep having a nice time. Mm -hmm. The last thing I need is my cycling to be a, a place of pressure and stress and guilt because it's the exact opposite place for me. It's where I don't feel guilty and I don't feel stressed and I don't feel pressure. And so if I start attaching targets and stuff to that, then it just becomes um, hard work and, mm. and that, that becomes something completely different to me then. Yeah, that it's kind of taken the enjoyment out of it. It's like I, I felt like that myself sometimes that, you know, I used to, I used to race and then when, when I was mm. racing, that, that is so driven and focused it's like that's i've got a young family that's the only thing you can kind of focus on really and it, it does yeah. it takes over to almost a unhealthy level yeah. really an obsessive level to to, mm -hmm. to race so that i i enjoy going out and trying to go fast and you know improving myself but not at the cost of that obsession to that obsessional level kind of thing really yeah. um like i've always enjoyed it and i a bit of a numbers man yeah i will have a look and i'll know how far yeah. and, and whatnot but not too much kind of thing yeah. you know getting that happy balance yeah don't get me wrong i love someone who is an absolute kind of obsessive geek about what they do regardless of what that is whether that's like buses trains bikes um, television shows, whatever it is, I really love and respect people who throw their 
heart and soul into the things that they love. Um, this just isn't that place for me. Um, so yeah, props to everyone who's like out there smashing their targets and trying really hard and giving it everything they've got. That's wonderful and I love to watch it in other people. Um, so it's certainly not a, a derogatory thing towards anyone else who is doing that. I think it's wonderful that they can. But equally, if you need to push your bike up a hill, you need to push your bike up a hill and that's fine too. Um, so I think that's where I am on the, the kind of scale of what a cyclist <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, you did mention that you you do kind of know how far you've gone or how fast you've gone. Mm. So how do you log your rides? How do you how do you? Oh yeah, I've got a little computer like everyone else. I'm doing all the right like I'm doing all the things. If yeah. I wanted, to, I could find out. Yeah. Um, I just don't quite know how. So I've got I've got my watch and I've got my um, little Garmin on my, my machine, my computer. I just um, I just don't dig into it that deep. And mm-hmm. um, that's more about because I like to see where I've gone and. Again, I'm quite a visual person, so looking at the maps and the photos together, that kind of creates this memory bank for me. It's like a little, that map is part of the photo album of that ride, and so it makes me feel a particular way. So it's more about, yeah, maybe it's that hill I went a bit too fast that I scared the living daylights out of me, and I want to remember that. Um, yeah. So it's stuff like that that I like to log. Lovely. So obviously you've touched on a couple of times you're a runner. Um, mm-hmm. You did mention to me just before... Obviously, we, we talked before we set up this recording. Um, yeah. It's summer solstice day today that we're recording yeah. this, and that you said that you were up rather early for something. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I was up this morning for the sunrise. Um, so I've done it for the last three years. So since, since I started running, I've kind of chased sunrises because uh, it feels like you're kind of cheating the day a little bit and you're getting something that no one else is getting, but, like, in a really healthy way. Um, and so I like to get up and be out and to feel the kind of sunrise around me. And so on the solstice, you know, it, it's just something really romantic about that. Um, so I went out with my, my buddy this morning and um, we went for a run and um, just watched this gorgeous sunrise um, kind of blast in our faces. Um, but it's the first run I've done in a while, so I was like really nervous and that I wasn't going to be able to keep the pace and I wasn't going to be able to do the distance and all of that. And it was fine because mm-hmm. I'm physically well. Yeah. So, um, and I'm not running with someone who's going to put loads of pressure on me. So it was fine. And it was about the sun this morning and it was beautiful. Yeah. So, what, what time did you get up then? Uh, so, I was up at about quarter past half past three. I got up and then uh, was on the road and then we kind of went somewhere quite close by. Um, so, yes, I was actually running by about quarter past four this morning. Right, yeah. That is yeah. bright and early, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Wonderful, though. I felt energised all day. I felt incredible. Uh, good stuff, good. I've never done it personally. And like you say, for all those reasons that you've just mentioned, it sounds absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, yeah I think we'd have to... About that kind of... You know, anything that's slightly extreme in that way that feels just ridiculous, why on earth would you do it? That's the kind of stuff I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if like there's no proof that I can do it, I quite then like throw myself in and see how it's going to pan out yeah. um yeah do you ever do it in the winter winter solstice one 21st well, of yes, December but we've got a family birthday on that day so okay. I feel a bit guilty um because then the sunrise is like 9 15 ish yeah it's late so, isn't like, it? yeah. that's like that's what I meant to be like making breakfast in beds and doing cups of tea and stuff so um so I tend to do an evening thing as well um on the winter solstice so yeah so I quite like those extremes of nature that kind of how yeah. they fit with how we feel physically, yeah. Good stuff. So, um, do you feel your cycling helps with your running or vice versa? I assume pretty much the... I mean, 
It has to, doesn't it? Yeah. I like, I have no idea, but it has to. I think one thing I've really noticed uh, from cycling compared to the running is it really like shortens your hamstrings. Um, mm. So I'm less flexible now than I was when I was just running. So I've got to be really mindful of that. But that's about as far as I would go. I've never done a training plan or um, like thought about how one affects the other. I just mm. think both must help kind of general cardiovascular health. So then they, they must be complementary. That's mm. kind of like my science. Um, and so, so long as I can do both of them and still smile, then hopefully one won't injure the other. And if anything, that kind of cross train has got to be beneficial. Yeah. From what I kind of see um, on the internet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and what you say about the hamstrings is very true as well, because um, okay. I cycled with a, a, an older group of guys before when I first, this is when I first got into cycling. I mean, some of them are in the seventies now, for exact like example, oh, um, and still going, still going strong, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we'd done a hundred, the, we'd done a hundred mile to Barmouth and then we were doing a hundred mile back the next day. Um, and then when we were there, it was a campsite that we'd gone to and there was a football match. So everyone was having a bit of a kickabout. And oh, gorgeous. What so within about five minutes though, three people were off with Paul hamstrings <laughs> <laughs> after kicking the ball. So like, yeah, it's, it's definitely true about the hamstrings. That is, it's, it's not the best for running or football after that either. If, if cycling's just your thing, that is anyway. So, um, obviously, yeah, we've talked about you doing running and the cycling so is there any duathlons or triathlons even on the cards oh i can categorically say absolutely not to triathlons okay uh, not swimming you won't catch me in the water for sure i mean i'll jump in a, in a pool on holiday but I'm, I'm not going out i'm definitely not like a a wild swimmer or i mean i love the water to be in but it's, it's not my thing um but a duathlon i quite fancy it I think I just have never, the time's never quite worked out when there's been one that I could go to. Um, I do like my own little mini ones. Um, so this is where I kind of geek out when I've got these little pockets of time when I'm logistically managing my life between dropping this kid here and this bit of work there. Mm-hmm. So I like run and ride and kind of just have a bit of fun with the time I've got um, and add some kind of you know mild peril to my evening that I might not get somewhere in time. Um, but apart from that, I've got anything formal or like a proper um, organised event. But maybe it's one day. Um, I quite like the idea of like learning like the transitions and so on. And I, again, I don't know what any of this means, but I'm sure it would be a fun thing to learn to do something a bit different. Yeah. So I would not say no to that. Although I'll say no to a triathlon. Yeah, okay. Because one of my mates <laughs> is really into triathlon. And just you're saying about the transitions there, who's saying that, that that's like the the next the fourth discipline he says then of doing the triathlons mm-hmm. that it's like it's part of the event you know and you've got to get yeah. it down as quick as quick as you can because if you you're not good at getting your wet you're a great swimmer but it takes you 10 minutes to get your wetsuit off you've lost that time yeah. just trying to get your wetsuit off you know so you've got to you've got to practice the the fourth yeah. discipline as as well yeah. so yeah like you say never say never so there the no. could be one one day I mean- yeah, I mean, the time I'm going to take taking photographs of swapping shoes, that's where I'm going to lose time is the yeah. photo opportunity in that because that would be quite cool. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it would never be competitively. I don't think I'd kind of be up there. But but for a laugh, I'm, you know, I'm willing to do anything really for a laugh. Lovely. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. So what's your biggest cycling challenge to date? Um, so it kind of, I think there's like three things, really. It kind of went in stages for me. So... When I um, 
started running, I did this running home thing where it was, we're in lockdown. It was a virtual running from York to Durham. So it was like 83 miles, 81 miles that I ran over the course of that month, January. I've never run before. And I just ran 81 miles over the course of that month. And I was like, oh, well, I can run now. Um, and so when um, I started getting a little bit better on the bike and when I got a slightly lighter bike and a better bike, I decided I wanted to cycle home. So I did um, a ride. So I, I did York to, no, I did Durham to York and that was uh, 82 miles. And I did that by myself, um, fully unprepared, um, on reflection. I mean, one of the funniest things is I had all, so I had all the kit, like I had like, I had my puncture repair kit. I like had all of this. And then as I was cycling, I looked out and I didn't have a pump. <laughs> like, so this is how prepared I was. I had a vague idea of how I traveled from, from Durham to York. And like, I plotted a kind of route on my Strava, but I knew that I would deviate from that because I'm not very good with plans. And, um, and I was like, oh, I'm doing great here. I think if I had a puncture, I could even sort myself out. And I looked down and I hadn't put the pump in the, um, the bottle cage. I was like, well, let's hope that everything's well. <laughs> we <can't hope." laughs> um, so that was my kind of idea. Yeah, I think it's crossing jelly babies to get me there. It was one of those days. But I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I've done this. This journey that I've done in the car for 20 years, mm. I could do it under my own steam. And that blew my mind. I couldn't believe my body could get me there. So that was wonderful. And then not long after that, I've been to Mallorca a couple of times. And so in Mallorca, that the first time I went, I'd only been riding about six months and I had no idea really what the hike was all about. Um, and then as, as soon as I landed, I realized, and we did that kind of the uh, lighthouse ride out of Port Palenza. And that that was like, all right, this this is why we ride then. Like that kind of feeling, the emotion in that journey was just incredible. And then went back the following year and did Sacalabra. Mm-hmm. And so that's a mammoth, like, that, like I know that that's a big thing. So that felt wonderful and that was a, a big challenge. And then only a month or two ago, I did a big um, ride north. So that was from York to Scotland. That was right. 210 miles Yeah. Um, over three days. Um, I can't remember what you said, it was, it was, it was hilly. I can't remember. See, see, real cyclists would remember what the ascent on that journey was. I just thought it was really hilly. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, there was some big bumps. Um, but that involved like a ride across the causeway into Holy Island and um, it was all just so it was emotionally intense uh, for me because it was this journey home and my um, mum had recently died so um, so I had this kind of real emotional journey from the, the kind of the York to Durham bit but then it hit me the Durham to Amble bit the next bit going up through Northumberland we kind of passed all these places we'd holidayed as I was a kid and I wasn't expecting to like stumble upon them because we were taking gravel routes and so all of a sudden this beach would appear that I have all these kind of really vivid memories from um so it was a very emotional journey as well as a kind of physically demanding one um but beautiful and just gorgeous and just timed perfectly and exactly what I needed from that kind of mental and physical well-being perspective to really just ground me in um like what I was capable of and it was going to be okay um, so it was a, yeah, it was a wonderful ride. That so those, those are my kind of more significant rides, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Something you touched on there was that you were you were amazed at how you could power yourself along just with eating jelly babies. Because there's, there's a saying that I've heard before that the human body's the most efficient machine ever. You can do thirty miles off a bowl of porridge, and you think, yeah, yeah that's perfectly true. That is, you know, it's a, a phenomenal thing. Absolutely mind blowing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
And, and I think that it, this kind of, it, it, I think for me, it really grounds me in that kind of humanity of like that kind of just remembering that we're just like these little humans scurrying around the place and we can ride bikes or not and anything's fine. Um, but for me, it, it's this kind of, yeah, this real reminder of kind of where we are in the world and nature and all of that. And I love all of that. It makes me feel really, um, I kind of romanticise the, the cycling and the running because of that. But it does make me feel like part of humanity and that's a wonderful thing, really. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So do you tend to cycle alone or in a group or with a buddy? Do you tend to go out solo? Yeah, so I've never, I've never done a, I've never done a group ride. Okay. Um, so I like, I don't know what the hand signals mean. I know that people do them, but I've no idea that, that, that what they are. Um, so I, although I'm on a promise, there's a couple of clubs that um, I'm really trying to get out and ride with because I think I might get a lot from it actually now. Now that I kind of am open to figuring out what the hand is like. It's not that I would reject any of that. It's just that I've never had the opportunity. So I think that I'm really open to club rides and getting to know more people in that, that kind of cycling world. I ride with, um, I've got kind of one girlfriend I ride with and then a couple of um, male buddies and that's it really. Um, and I'll go out by myself of an evening um, very happily coursing around and like, um, yeah, just enjoying being out there by myself but then I love so the running for me feels like a real kind of solo kind of goal whereas the cycling feels much more social because you can cruise can't you I mean this is the thing nobody talks about you can just freewheel and that again is just another gorgeous thing about cycling is that if you want to you can just sit there and take it in Um, and I love that bit of it I love trying hard and then resting hard on the bike um, and doing that with friends is a wonderful thing because I think it triggers these conversations when you're not like staring at each other across a table having a pint, but you're kind of cycling along and all the endorphins are kicking in and all of that. But you can have these conversations that you wouldn't normally have just over a, a cup of tea at home. So I love that element of it from a kind of social cycling point of view. Yeah, lovely. I think as well, another thing that's a good benefit from going out with like a, a local club is sometimes you kind of, which you know I quite enjoy having the same routine and I, I, I quite like doing I've got a sort of 20 mile loop that depending on yeah. what sort of ride I'm doing I'll, I'll kind of do a, a variant of that um, but you do learn new routes that's the thing mm. it takes you off somewhere new and but perhaps not particularly far but just not a direction you've gone in before and then you're like yeah. oh this is great going I'm here sorry. that's you know so sometimes it can just give you that extra little bit to to get out with that group and like you say that that more social side is lovely as well yeah so i'm hoping to organize so kind of where i am in durham there's a club out um the outlands clubs up there so i'm hoping to get out and a ride with them and then in york there's um a couple of clubs that i could get out and ride with so i'm hoping to like have one so when i'm in either city if like i find myself wanting a bit of a social ride i can just jump on something um, so that's my kind of long-term goal. But whether it's just the logistics of life, isn't it? That I, I can't commit every weekend. That that's just not a possibility for me. Um, I can ride every weekend, but not at the times that other people do. Um, and so I just need to be realistic about what I want to get from my cycling, and that is mainly time away from my family. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, no one's hopefully no one's listening. Hopefully, no one's listening. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> 
same thing. We all need that space to kind of come back refreshed and able to give our love again. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. Lovely. So recently, well, back in May, you had a, a bike fit with Mark from Velo 28. Um, was this your first bike fit that you'd oh, had? Yeah. And yeah. what what did you, how did you feel afterwards? Did like the difference that it made? Oh, it was incredible. So I've only ever bought second-hand bikes. This is the other thing. So, um, so I've got a really good bike now. So I've got a Cannondale um, carbon top stone, which is beautiful. Um, I absolutely love it. And so kind of a few people said to me, what you need to be looking for on your new bike is what frame you need. And so this one's got this one that's got the little bit of kind of rebouncing it just a little bit. Um, so, I mean, again, I don't know what the technical term is, but it's got a bit of rebounds, uh, which is perfect for me, just from a kind of medical point of view. So, um, and the rest you can just fit around. So that's what I listened to. That was the advice that I went with. Um, and so, but I knew something wasn't quite right. And I couldn't quite tell whether it was the saddle seat or like the height or what it was. And then on Instagram, I saw everyone raving about um, Mark. And it's very handy for me because I was up visiting my dad. And so I thought, right, I'm going to book in for a session. And honestly, it was transformative. I, ca- I can't say enough how um, it was worth that investment. I mean, as soon as I walked in, he just went, well, your handlebars are the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's so stupid. Being a woman in the cycling world, everything's built for men. It, it just is. Yeah. So you might get a small frame, but the handlebars are still 40 inches. And I don't know that. I'm not taking, as we've said, I'm not taking notice of any of this stuff. So you're just like, you've got smaller shoulders than me, so you need smaller handlebars than me. And it's just that basic stuff where the kind of, particularly as a woman, you've got to just double check everything in this kind of, it's a very male-dominated space. Um, and so you just need to kind of ask the right questions. But when you don't know what they are, you just kind of cruise along trying your best and, and giving it a go. So there was lots of like the saddle is like so high. I like I would never have put it that high. I was like, but I can't touch the floor. And it was like, well, don't sit on the saddle when you need to touch the floor. So you know, it's just like really basic stuff like that that I wouldn't have even thought of. Um, and so he changed it, he, like neatened it up and relaxed my shoulders and my elbows. And I'd never ridden on the drop bars before. So this is, I mean, this is mad, isn't it? So I've been riding for like nearly two years. And I'd never had stability in the drops. Okay. And I always thought I'll come off if I ride them because I do come off quite a bit. This is another thing. Um, it's not uncommon for me to fall off my bike. Okay. So if I, if I then go on the drops, then the instability I've got means I'm, I'm going to come to a junction or I'm not going to be able to move quick enough. And something's going to happen, I'm going to fall off. So then I never did it. And he put, he put these smaller handlebars on. And on my test drive, I went down just to try them. I was like... Oh, this this feels stronger than the top. How is that possible? And I never had that experience before. So it's stuff like that that that's when it's worth listening to the experts and kind of just going with what they tell you. Um, and it's like oh, computers, and it looks snazzy. Um, and he was just so wonderful and kind and um, considerate and not patronising. And because that's another thing as a woman, you kind of I don't know all this stuff. I don't need to know it to enjoy my bike. Mm-hmm. But I do then feel there's a lot of kind of uh, I feel patronised quite a lot, actually. Um, and so you build up this resilience to that. And um, where he wasn't like that at all, he was um, fully just really embracing the fact that he wanted me to get the most out of my bike. And that was a wonderful experience. So, yeah, I'd massively recommend a bike fit. Yeah, lovely. It's the one piece of advice 
that I say to any new so if someone comes to me and says what's the best piece of advice you could give a beginner get a bike fit and and I think it's what like you said it was well worth that investment because they're not the cheapest thing because when you think no, about it not. you kind of think well someone's just going to move my saddle up and down and move the bars and get me comfortable and it's it's how much sorry you're you are a bit like yeah that seems a lot of money just to raise the saddle a little bit but there's obviously so much more involved than just that they check the cleats and every aspect of your bike i've got some spaces in my cleats now i mean i didn't even know spaces existed before i went there so, um, yeah. and I was like, oh, is that why my, to- my toes were numb? And he was like, well, there's an issue. You've got numb toes and a sore neck and you can't just support, like all these things together. Of course, it's not going to make for an ideal ride. So yeah, he really helped just like soften me in. I feel like part of my bike now, mm. before I felt like I would come off it. I've not fallen okay. off my bike since my bike fit. So that's good. Okay. Um, and so like, my falling off is all about my cleats. Right. So, um. And, I, and actually, I think that comes down, I've learned now, that actually comes down to gear management and over spinning at the bottom of a hill as I change gears and kind of figure it all out and just not going fast enough. And so just tipping. Um, but it also, it's happened, I've had some kind of hairy incidences in traffic when I've fallen off my bike. Okay. Um, and so then that scares you about using the cleats. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, and so what, I, so what I used to do before my bike fit, what I used to do was unclip at the bottom of every hill. Um, so I got up every single hill, not clipped in. So not even with my feet in the right position, because I was then in the middle of my foot, pushing up, not clipped in. Um, so that's kind of the level of fear I had because I'd fallen over so many times. And I right. kind of learned to roll a little bit and I wasn't really injured myself, but I really worried about my bike once. I fell quite hard and knocked my handlebars and I was really worried that I cracked in my carbon frame. and. Mm. Um, so then I just thought, well, I just won't clip in. That's the easy solution. It might mean I've got to like stop on the hill and then get going again, but that's what I'll do. And my hairiest moment was in traffic. And I thought I'd clipped one foot out and I hadn't, I'd done the other one. And so as I went to put my foot down, it was stuck. I panicked and tipped the weight of the foot, of the stuck foot. Yeah. And lucky for me, and this is kind of, it's quite unbelievable really. But lucky for me, I fell in front of a Tesla that had its auto stop on. Um, and the car stopped and the guy got out and even he couldn't quite believe that the car had stopped. Wow. Um, and the, the vehicle behind was a double-decker bus. Um, and so that, that put the fear on me. It was horrible, that. So that was a couple of years ago on a bike ride with one of my friends. And so um, that's when I stopped clipping in. Mm. And then since my bike fit and the spacer and this like e- figuring everything out when i did that big ride north i just had the bike fit then in every single hill i realized once i got to the top i was still clipping um and so um that made a massive difference to just my mentality and confidence on the bike mm. and that got me up the hills easy obviously if, you, if your feet are in and they're going and they're turning that's going to get you up quicker than them slipping off and kind of being all over the place, which it had been previously. Yeah, because talking about stability, because when I had mine, so I started cycling about 2012. I think I had it in 2013, uh, my bike feet on my first bike. And it was because I got knee pain. I got, um, I'd done a big ride. It was my first sort of 100 miler. And I had terrible knee pain after, all down the front. Um and I'd spoken to someone about it, and I said, oh, your saddle, sound, it sounds like your saddle's too low, and you're putting excess stress on your knee, so as as yeah. you're pushing down, 
you know, you're, ne- you're never fully extending the leg enough. So you're putting too much stress on the front of the, front of the ligament in your knee. So mm-hmm. that's probably what that issue is. Go and get a bike fit. And yeah, went and did it. He, he raised my saddle about three and a half centimetres it was because when I first started like how you said I didn't have a, I didn't have a clue I just put it I looked online it said to put it extend your leg out and put it about there kind of thing <laughs> and I, I did that and then I thought oh that looks quite high that does and I took it out the front and someone said to me like look how high your saddle is that's too high that is so I took it down mm-hmm. and it probably was about right and then I, I put it too low um yeah. but the the stability in the bike came as well in the sense that i could never take my hands both hands off the bars before i had that bike feet me neither and yeah, now I, yeah yes yeah absolutely i did my first no-handed ride on that big ride north i'd not i didn't feel grounded in the bike Whereas once everything was moved around, I felt like it was solid. It was like we were, yeah, it was, I was pushing it down rather than it pushing me around. Yeah. So I was like, hey, I've got like, I've got a photo of me riding with no hands and it's the first time I'd ever done it. Yeah, it was almost like, I was like, oh, the, the, the bars are keeping dead stable. <laughs> obviously, obviously, it must have just been rocking from side to side. And I couldn't, I could only take what I could drink, like drink comfortably and stuff, take one hand off. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh, that seems really... And I just took the other one off and it was just... I was just riding along now, and I thought, <laughs> obviously, that setup was horrendous. Like, why Why did you do that? Like, yeah, so it goes to show... And, and that was... That's the one piece of advice, like I say, any new cyclist. Well, and the other thing was make sure your tyres are pumped up because that was the other early mistake that I made because I thought I pumped... Because you run road tyres at like 100 PSI, 80 to 100 PSI. Because a car tire is only like 36, I only put about 36. And so I said to me, your tires are dead flat. And I've been riding for probably about, I hadn't, I'd never punctured, but I've been riding for about six months with sort of 30, 30 PSI in my tires. That's so funny. I think um, my, my approach to tires are on the mountain bike, it's got to feel like an orange. <laughs> and on the gravel, it's got to feel like an apple. And then that'll do me. <laughs> Very technical. And, we're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. It's a good way. If it works, that's fine. If it I works, mean, yeah. that's fine. So. Yeah, yeah, we're all happy. We're all out on our bikes still. <laughs> that's it. That's it. We, so it talks about like big challenges that you've done in the past. Is there anything else you've got planned at all, maybe for next year or in uh, something in the future that you think, oh, I'd love to have, have a go at that, push myself to do that? Yeah, well, I've not done a century, which feels like a kind of rite of passage for a cyclist. Um, so I'm getting like, you know, 10, 15 miles off that. So I'm hoping to get that done um, before the summer kind of kicks in and um, things get busy again. So I'd like to do that. And beyond that, no real big challenges. I'd like another trip away. Like, I just loved Mallorca so much. So the whole prospect of kind of combining like a holiday with bike riding with people you enjoy spending time with. I mean, that's just like the dream, isn't it? So I think that will be like trying to make sure I get like a cycling holiday if at all possible. It's a big ask. But if I can do that, then I mean, that, that, that kind of scratches all the cycling itches I have apart from like occasional big rides with my buddies and going new places and, um, I think because I've got this kind of the thing with the mountain biking as well. We do that a lot as a family. 
and so that that does a lot of it for me because that's properly in the woods that's down bumpy trails and that's like the kind of stuff that makes me kind of feel a little sick it's so scary at times so that i really get a kick out of that um, and so then the, the the road and kind of gravelly stuff is more about relaxing and enjoying that um, so i think yeah no no big challenges apart from my century which i'd like to do in the next couple of months if possible yeah lovely it's it's i always feel it's nice to have a bit of a target um, yeah. and like you say if you don't take it too serious if it's kind of it's i'm gonna do it but you know it, it's not a necessity because like we, uh, we've talked about just that you can get too hung up on on a certain thing and it kind of takes over a bit too much so yeah. sometimes it, it is best just to kind of think about it yeah we'll do it at some point and and have it there ready kind I of think, thing yeah i think that's it and i've got some big wooden things coming up as well and so there's that, that balance between what am i going to get the most out of mm. and what am i going to enjoy and what's the cycle i'm going to bring and what's the running going to bring and have i I've got enough time to do both and so it'll be just balancing it all out um and and that's fine and that's life isn't it that's like um that's how we all live so yeah it'll just be a case of figuring out what i can do and when i can do it lovely perfect so we do have some questions that we ask all the guests um and the first one is are you a calf stop cyclist oh god yeah i mean who isn't <laughs> <laughs> um i think um I, I'm, I'm like i'm willing to stop for any reason I, i'm willing to like oh there's a good view um this is this there's a nice building <laughs> 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 and there's some more people to talk to uh, so yes yeah, so i'll stop for any any reason um including definitely a cafe stop right so what what are you having what's your what's your drink and snack of choice oh it's definitely a cup of tea it's okay. always a yogurt tea, tea. um I, i'm not on board with this kind of obsession with coffee and cycling okay. um, which you know good fine for everyone else i'm going to get my coffee from a nice cup of tea um, or a kind of coke, like full fat coke. That's the other kind of place I'd go. Um, and eating wise, so if it's a good cafe, I'm having a sausage roll because they'll have a good sausage roll. Um, there's a there's a, a a place that I cycle to regularly that has the best sausage rolls in Yorkshire. So that's like my my go to snack. And if they don't have a good sausage roll, I'll probably opt for a cheese scone. Okay, so we're going savoury. We're going savoury. Well, unless, unless, oh, okay. I, think, I think it's the salt. Do you know? I think there's something in that savouriness that because um, I've, I've probably, I've already probably chewed through a bag of jelly babies, so I'm probably needing the salt at this point. Um, so yeah, so a, a, a buttery cheese scone sounds gorgeous. But then, if not, then like millionaire shortbread is always a favourite and a winner. So yeah, good, good choices there. I like all. <laughs> I'd have all of those. So yeah, good yeah, we'll choices. Have them there. All. Just bring them all. Just bring them all over. More tea. <laughs> so, uh, dream bike, money, no object. I mean, the bike I've got. <laughs> like again, this this is where I'm not quite. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure there's a bike out there that would kind of just just be my dream bike. Mm. But I don't know. Um, I look at some of them and I think, oh, they look good. But then I also look at them and go, well, I don't. That's not going to work for me. I can tell, like, with different frames and stuff, that it wouldn't be for me. Um, beyond that, though, I genuinely don't have a clue. So I really love the bike I've got, 
and I'm really happy with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I bought it secondhand, I've had a bike fit, and I've got a new saddle, and I've got the nice handlebars, and like that's my dream bike because that's Lovely. what I've got, what I know. Um, that's not to say that I wouldn't have like a high end kind of top spec. I, actually, so I've got a mountain bike, I've got a gravel bike, and I've got a cyclocross bike. I don't have a road bike technically. So I suppose what if I'm going, if someone's getting me a bike, I'll have a road bike. Mm -hmm. um, however, which way it fits me is perfect. Lovely. <laughs> it's not. I, I think. Do you know what? I think you're the first person to say the bike I've got now. Oh, funny. Yeah. Oh, so. well, I just love it. I think. Um, yeah, it makes me happy. I, do, I, I don't need any more because it does what it needs to do. For yeah, me. as you say, it kind of covered all those bases, didn't it? That it was that that gravel aspect that you've got that you know you, it's a go anywhere machine, yeah. which is yeah. yeah, brilliant. And it looks sexy as anything. There we go. Do you know what I mean? So it looks great. I, well, for me, it's yeah. like my dream bike. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. So we've kind of perhaps touched on this a little bit. So if we could drop you anywhere in the world right now to go for a ride, where are you going? Oh, do you know? I don't know. I think this. I think this is where I'm willing to learn a lot actually about places. I think part of me. So when I kind of skirt around. Um, Kind of the things that mainly I suppose is, is the things I see on Instagram and like a coffee table type books, you know, that, that kind of gorgeous books that people buy you when you're a cyclist, um, as we'll all have in our lives, I'm sure. Um, the I think I'd really quite like to go to South America. Okay. I kind of can, can kind of see myself loaded up on a bike and um, just traveling through big hills um, in nice landscape and slightly wild. Mm. I quite fancy that. Um, equally, like some of the routes that I've got around here are just beautiful, and what I'd like then is the time to do them all. Um, and so my local routes are gorgeous, and I and they they kind of fill me with joy. So um, day to day, just drop me kind of I don't know forty miles from home. That's fine. Uh, if we're talking about a big trip, then um, yeah, I think probably. South America, or like, or possibly even traveling across Europe, like an A to B rather than a loop. Right, okay. Quite like an A to B journey. Mm. Um, I really enjoy that. And then kind of train back. Um, that seems like a really fulfilling trip to me. Lovely. Sounds brilliant. Perfect. So I think we've come to the end of our little chat. We, I really appreciate you coming on today. You know, it's been fantastic. Oh. It's been great fun. It's been great fun. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you I'm very much. It. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. It's good fun. It's just a bit of a chat. It's good fun. Talk so, about bikes, isn't yeah, it? that's it. That's, it. that's <laughs> what it's all about. So thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, that was a lot of fun there speaking to Angela. She really is a fantastic person. Um, brilliant to speak to. A lot, a lot of fun. It was just amazing. Not much technical knowledge, as she said herself. Um, I did enjoy the orange and the apple for the tyre pressures. It was probably the favourite thing I've heard on the podcast so far. So, um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And Angela, something we never spoke about at the start of the podcast, which I did realise when we were halfway through, got in contact with me off the back of listening to another podcast. She'd listened to John Fish, episode 7, and sent me a voice note on Instagram saying I'd love to, to come on and then obviously she'd now appeared on the show so if you've listened to an episode and think I'd have a chat with Steve get in touch with me, send me a DM 
and I'll add you to the list. We've got a fair few people lined up at the moment. We'd love to get you on that list. If you're a cyclist and you want to talk about your cycling journey, DM me on Instagram, fellow double underscore 21. That's fellow double underscore 21. We'd love to get you on the podcast. Once again, we thank Angela for her time. We thank you for listening. I've been Steve, the fellow 21 guy. Catch you soon.